Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Snoochie-boochies, dear listeners. Welcome to another exciting episode of Saturday morning serial Max Mike Movies. This week we find our intrepid heroes doing exactly what they were doing last week. Talking about movies, and especially movies we consider guilty pleasures. Guilty. Ooh, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> Today we're hanging out in the mall, figuratively. Oh no, it's this lovely mall. Yes, yes. And hey, watch it, you're going to get mauled. Uh, and uh, talking <laughs> about Kevin Smith's second film, 1995's Mall Rats. One Made of, with real film. And real malls. <laughs> one of my guilty pleasures. I'm one of your hosts, somewhat soft-spoken Max. And I am the little piggy who went wee-wee-wee all the way home, otherwise known as Mike Luce. He really does, by wee, the way. Wee-wee-wee-wee. All wee, the wee, time. Wee-wee-wee. <sighs> make you with that kosher bacon. <sighs> the plot. The show. May I just interject real quick? Okay. I would like to say thank you to all our fans who's come out to see us today at the Worcester Centrum. That's right. There are thousands of you out there. Right. And, you know, you braved the snow, mm-hmm. the cold, the wind, all just to see. Okay, we're and in Max's all, house. Well, yeah, I was going to say how they were all being so polite and quiet. <laughs> yes, that's yes. it. Quiet. They're, they're the best behaved audience ever here at the Worcester Centrum, yep, which is, is usually filled with mud and or Luciano Pavarotti. <laughs> but, yeah. Yep, yep. Sorry, this is not the Battle of the Monster Trucks. We are, however, live today. Yes, we are. We are live. We are actually in the same location. That is my house, my living room. Or I couldn't do this. Ow. Does that annoy you? Does that annoy you? Does that annoy you? I will kill you. (laughs) I will kill you. They will never find your body. Guess Um, which one was the little brother. (laughs) Would you tell us the plot, please? No. (laughs) (laughs) The plot. The movie follows a day in the life of two young men, Brody, played by Jason Lee, and T.S., played by Jeremy London. Both men have been dumped that very morning by their respective girlfriends. T.S. has broken up with his girlfriend, uh, Brandy, played by Claire Forlani, on the very day he was planning to ask her to marry him at the Universal Studios tour at the moment when the shark from Jaws appears. So romantic. Ooh, romance. Brody has been dumped by his girlfriend, Renee, played by Shannon Doherty, as in 90210. Whom I've seen naked. No, you haven't. (laughs) Because she is fed up with his being an emotionally stunted man-child, more interested in comic books, video games, and hanging out at the local mall than in her. What's wrong with that? Oops! (laughs) (laughs) Then this explains why you don't have a girlfriend. Well, no. Actually, it's... All right, there's another explanation, but the rest, the rest of the day and movie follows T.S. and Brody as they hang out at their favorite mall trying to win back their respective loves and meeting up with many colorful characters. Ooh. I think it pretty much sums it up. Do it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know, you know if we? this weren't a real film, we wouldn't have real trivia now, would we, Paul? No, we would not. No, no, Dave. Dave, you're a fresh kick. Yes, you are. <laughs> So yeah, there's a there's a lot of trivia about this. Um, the studio almost replaced Jason Mewes, the guy who plays Jay in the famous duo of Jay and Silent Bob, with Seth Green. Ah. Kevin Smith insisted that Mewes should play Jay, but the studio made Smith take auditions for the role. Brecken Meyer was also auditioned. Who's that? I don't know. Ah. <laughs> but in the end, all concerned agreed that Mewes was right for the part. Uh, Jason Mewes, actually, is a childhood, a very good friend of Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith 
is responsible for any career that Jason has. Isn't it just kind of this? Well, no, Jason... Jason and Kevin Smith play the famous team of Jay and Silent Bob, and Jay and Silent Bob are in every one of Kevin Smith's View Askew movies. They're all sort of, we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was considered for Brody. Really? And Leonardo DiCaprio was considered for T.S. All right, by considered, did you mean somebody wished that someday they might be able to work with one of these people yeah, as opposed the, to that they were actually ever up for these roles? Uh, no, apparently they were at the studio actually thought they could get them. I, I don't know if these gentlemen actually would even consider it. What was the budget? Like $50? Yeah, the budget was fairly low. Mm. Uh, it was about uh, $6 million, if I recall correctly, and uh, the, the U.S. gross was about $2 million. Ah. Yeah, yeah, not... Uh, not the high point of Mr. Smith's career. Didn't the six million mostly go to the uh, the fee for the mall? Probably, and that and the weed budget. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now the weed only appears on film for about ten seconds. Yes, well, it appears inside n- number of actors. I think <laughs> quite quite a lot more than that. I but, don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the beginning, we see Brody's room. He's living in his parents' basement, and his comic book collection which is considerable, yeah. is actually Kevin Smith's collection at the time, which has gotten a lot uh, a lot bigger since. That collection is what uh, Smith was able to purchase back bef- after selling his original collection to finance production of his first movie, Clerks, in Ooh. 1994, the year before. Uh, we see Renee Shannon Doherty out shopping, and she's seen wearing at least three different outfits. Doherty had a clause in her contract that she could keep everything her character wore, so came up with a plan that her character should wear everything she bought on her shopping trip. Okay. As I say, this is the second film in Kevin Smith's intricately interconnected Askewniverse series. The others are Clerks, 1994, Chasing Amy, that was probably his most successful, and Ben Affleck's breakout role. Dog he didn't break out in this one. No, not in this. Oh. He broke out in... Chasing Amy was his first major uh, role. Acne can be prevented by... Yeah. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and uh, Clerks 2. The last of these was in 2006. He hasn't. He swore he wouldn't do any more after that. Clerks 2? Mm-hmm. There was a Clerks 2? There was a Clerks 2. Ah. Yeah. Movies are all linked by characters, themes, and events, and each contains numerous references to the others. Ah. Yeah. T.S., for example... Uh, at a flea market, he picks up a hat with the clerk's logo on it. That, this, was, that was subtle. Mm, very subtle. <laughs> Just like Beastmaster 2. Yeah. <laughs> Film, this was filmed in Minneapolis, Minnesota, down the road from Fargo, 1996, which was shooting at the same time. So there's a contrast for you. So wait, Minneapolis is down the road from Fargo, North Dakota? In Fargo, North Dakota is just over the border. Really? Uh, to the west of uh, Minnesota. Oh, I'm cooperating oh, with you. Oh, you know what? Uh... These are some of the other people they wanted. The studio wanted for uh, the character of Brody, Mike Myers, ah. Adam Sandler, <laughs> or Chris Farley. Uh. And they wanted Ethan Hawke for T.S. Quint. All right, I can see that. Yeah. Because, you know, at any given time, it seems like about 20 bucks will get you Ethan Hawke. Yeah. So, you know, okay. Uh, Ethan, uh, Chris, all right. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Chris, that would have been... Let's just say that would be a very different movie. Yeah. Uh, when they were filming the exteriors of the mall, which was in... Now, the mall is... It was in Minneapolis, but they... It was... Uh, the movie takes place in New Jersey. 
So, production assistants would stick paper New Jersey license plates <laughs> on the cars in the parking lot, and occasionally, unsuspecting Minnesota mall customers would drive away with the fake plates still on. I hear it's still a tradition in Minnesota to wear a New Jersey license plate on your car. It is. Those crazy kids. Uh, there is an homage to Batman at, at several points, and Jay, where Jay and Silent Bob escape from LaFour's, the belt attached to Kevin Smith slipped. The crane refused to start, someone had shut it off, and the key couldn't be located, nearly resulting in a possibly lethal fall for Kevin and Jay. <gasps> yeah. The Magic Eye sailboat picture, featured prominently in several scenes, is actually a 4x3 matrix of geometric shapes, consisting of a cross, a circle, a diamond, a star, four segmented circles, and four cones. Uh, this is very important for people to know. It's a major plot point. What, wasn't there, in fact, uh, yellow stars and green clovers as well? And and uh, purple horseshoes, oh, yes. Oh, man, I missed the pur purple horseshoes. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the game show contestants, uh, there is a game show in this, sort of, a dating game ripoff, yeah. is named Gil Hicks, played by Brian O'Halloran, a reference to Dante Hicks, played by O'Halloran in many of the other Universe movies. Presumably the characters are brothers. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> the film takes place only a day before Kevin Smith's previous film, Clerks, even though it was released a year after that film came out. Hey, but I'm not even supposed to be here exactly. today. Exactly. <laughs> uh, most of the film was shot at the Eden Prairie Center, uh, which worked out very well for the shooting because there were a whole lot of vacant storefronts and they could fa set up fake stores for the film. I don't know what you mean. You could tell that all of those were real, real stores. I mean, mm -hmm. haven't you gone to every single mall and seen the pet store, Gerbils, Gerbils, Gerbils? <laughs> I know, I know I have, or or the uh, to the children's store, Buy Me Toys. <laughs> hey, you know, Toys R Us, if you're looking for a comeback, I think that name isn't taken. I don't think so. Uh, at one point, they attend a flea market, which is the U.S. 1 flea ma market, a.k.a. the Dirt Mall, <laughs> was torn down in the 1990s. It, it is now the site of a multiplex cinema. Ah. And also, there's, there's a bunch of homages to other movies. Uh, at one point... Some of the characters are waiting for an elevator, and the music that's playing is the same music from the elevator at the end of Blues Brothers. Ah. Can you tell me what that song is? I can, but I won't. <laughs> tell right. me what the damn song is. All right. Um, no. <laughs> it's because Mike doesn't know. That is correct. Girl from, it's Girl from Ipanema. Ah. Uh, the end credits tell us the fate of each of the characters, and it's done as an homage to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, 1982. And uh, many of the scenes in that are also set in a mall, and Kevin Smith made sure to use the same font and color for the graphics. Hmm. The mall cop LaFours, who has no speak, who has no lines. I think that's probably a wise probably. choice. Probably. <laughs> he is probably named after LaFours from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hmm. In Butch Cassidy, LaFours is considered the toughest sheriff, and his trademark is a white straw hat, which is what LaFours wears. Oh. Yeah. Wasn't he? Wasn't the actor, quote, Quote unquote actor. His mm. name something like Thor Sven. Sven, uh, Sven Thorson. Oh, that was cool. I'm sure he was local to Minneapolis, <laughs> as that is like the most Minnesota name you could have. Thorson Thorson French, is it? <laughs> no. Ah. Uh, by the way, the, 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 speaking of other movie references, Brody is named after the main character in Jaws, which is oh, one yeah, of favorite. Brody. Yep, one of Smith's favorite. Uh, and his surname, by the way, we only hear his last name. His first name is Bruce. Which is 
Wait, what's the Jaws reference there? Well, that's the name of the rubber shark. Yep, now, wait, yep. wait, wait. They actually yep. do say Bruce once in the film. Yeah, that's his actual uh, last name. Oh, see, I thought Brody that it was Bruce. like, uh, it's like Brody's a nickname or something. No, I think no, it's it's actually his surname. And then of course and we think that T.S.'s name is Doug. Well, no, T.S.'s last name is actually Quint. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the guy who runs the... I can't yep. remember the name of the boat, but yep. they're going to need a bigger Captain one no Quint. matter yep. what. Yep, that was uh, Robert Shaw's character. Although we never actually... He, his last name's never used. It's just it's in the credits. But he got a Quinty Squinty. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> this movie also stars... or Let's face it, it's a cameo of Stan Lee. Yeah. Probably one of his... I would say one of his longest appearances on film. Yeah, and you know, his hairpiece does a great job oh. of looking absolutely fake. Yeah, there's a reason Stan is in a lot of movies. Uh, he can be seen in this looking to his left or right repeatedly while talking to Brody. <laughs> this is so he can see the cue cards. No, no, no. He was looking at Stripperella. Because I like Stripperella. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't a trained actor, so memorizing lines was very difficult for him. Jeremy London, by the way, even though he is an experienced actor, forgot his lines all the time. I wonder why. Mm. What could have possibly been on set that would have, I don't know, erased certain cells in possibly his brain? Possibly could have messed with some uh, recall, recollection uh, abilities. Yeah. Uh, Stanley initially did not want to be in the film as himself. He felt the dialogue wasn't things he would say. Ah. Unlike I Like Stripperella. <laughs> Kevin Smith responded that it was just pretend, to which Lee allegedly replied, Okay, spider friend. <laughs> you know, that's what I say to you every day. Mike always refers to me as spider friend. Because he is. He's yeah. my spider friend. <laughs> he's he's my bat friend. Ooh, that's yep. kinky. <laughs> At, uh, when Trisha's te sex tape with uh, Shannon... Played by Ben Affleck. By all right, the way. wait. Why is a guy named Shannon? Shannon. Well, first of all, his name was Shannon Mitchell, and this was sort of a little jab at Shannon Doherty because Shannon. No, sorry, his name is Shannon Hamilton. Shannon Doherty was married very briefly to a guy named Hamilton. Uh, our yeah. our, our, our uh, uh, treasurer there. No, the, no, not the secretary of the, not the first secretary that, of that's treasury. That's not who Lin Manuel Miranda is rapping about. No, oh. no, he is not rapping about the the manager of. Uh, what was it? Well dressed male. I don't know the fashionable. Fashionable, fashionable. male. See yes. now, now I don't understand that whole musical because <laughs> it made perfect sense right. when it was about Ben Affleck, but sure. now I don't get it. Well, Mike. Well, Mike has his existential crisis. I'll finish this up. At uh, one point, Trisha's sex tape of sh her and Shannon is playing for the audience, and he asks her, "Who's your favorite new kid?" And then asks her to call him Joey, and then Donnie. This is a reference to, of course, to Joey McIntyre and Donnie Wahlberg. The t two of the most popular members from the the group New Kids on the Block. Donnie Osmond, Donnie Osmond, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. Which I'm afraid just makes that whole sequence even creepier. Yeah. So there's well, a, especially because he likes to um, have um, oh, yes, inter intercourse in very uncomfortable world lo uh, locations. Yes, which all the characters when when people say this, they're planning to have sex with her in a very uncomfortable location, and they all say the, the back, back of, of a Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. No. But um, dum that's there's there's a plenty of other stuff about this, particularly about uh, Kevin Smith and his his uh, procedures and his 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 craft. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, I thought you meant medical. No, but uh, that's pretty much uh, all the trivia I've got here. The lowdown. I would like to point, start out with uh, this is one of my guilty pleasures. Yes. Uh, part of this is some of this was filled at, filmed at the Mall of America, mm. and uh, this being '95, the Mall of America opened in '92. I was living in Minnesota 
when this mall opened. And it was a big deal. The Mall of America was, and I think still is, the largest mall in, in this country, and I think the third largest in the world. It's really, really big. It's there is an amusement un- park in the middle of it. There is a Knott's Camp Snoopy, a full-size one with full-size rides. There it was a 16-theater multiplex, nightclubs, restaurants. It was so big, many of the stores were duplicated. Mm-hmm. There were like several Orange Juliuses. There were two or three of the same clothing stores. It's really confusing because I actually, you know, I, I don't tell a lot of people this, Max. I, I, I may have told you once, possibly because mm-hmm. I was visiting you at the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I you? had visited the Mall of America. Yes. <laughs> and I will tell you, the first thing I saw repeated was a CVS. Yeah. And let me tell you how confusing it was. After a while, you just sort of become a zombie walking through this giant... I don't even know what to call it, this kingdom of mall. And you're like, wait, wasn't the CVS next to a pet store? And now it's not? Oh my God, how I, long have I been here? People used to get lost in this thing. It was so big and it was so, and the visuals were so repetitive. It was really hard to find your way out. I mean, this thing is unreal. It is like a city devoted entirely to shopping. Yeah. My favorite part, I think, was when you told me that the, the there were gangs. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, first of all, yes, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, there are gangs. And some of them started using the mall as a hangout. And people were getting, like, beaten up or shot. And obviously that's not funny, but the idea of staking turf on the second floor <laughs> near the, you know, Krispy Kreme... <laughs> It doesn't yeah. quite have the same kind of street cred. There was an unfortunately tasteless T-shirt that was released around that time, which I'm really sorry I didn't buy, which sort of depicted like great red wounds on the shirt, and it said, I got mauled at the Mall of America. Har har. Well, yes. <laughs> the hot dish of humor. Yes, that wacky <laughs> Minnesota humor. So yeah, so the, this is this is mainly a guilty pleasure because of your memories, your fond memories of the Mall of America. <laughs> Partly that, but also I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith. I really like his movies. I like him. I think he's really fun to listen to. I, I've, I like his, I don't know if you call it stand-up or what, but his talks. Uh, I've liked some of his, uh, his blogs. And this is very proto-Kevin Smith. This is very... Yeah, you can see where he got a lot better after this one. Yeah. But you can see a lot of the same elements. He has so many of the same actors. Ben Affleck, Joey Lord and Adams, Brian O'Halloran, and, of course, Jane Silent Bob. And a lot of the same themes. You know, there's old, there tons of comic book stuff. A lot of geek culture. Uh, a lot I don't of, think there really would be a movie without the geek culture. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, there's love stories, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I do, however, fully recognize that this is a very flawed movie. It's very shallow. Uh, it's clearly a nerd fantasy because, quite honestly, both of the male leads are really unappealing in this. I mean, Brody, I got to say, Jason Lee does a really good job. I think he's really talented, and I think he's done much better stuff since, but I think he's really good as Brody because he is both really annoying and obnoxious and you can't imagine why any woman would be with him but there's also a certain amount of likability about him hmm. you don't think so I found T.S. to be kind of a cipher he's just sort of there see I was actually thinking that the performance of T.S. was slightly better than that of Brody now to be fair I went looked up the, the actor the only thing I found out that particularly interested me was he has a twin brother who's also an actor mm-hmm. Jeremy um, London and Jason London yeah um 
and Jason Lee, I'm like, I don't really recognize this guy. And I, I started to listen to him. It's like, oh, dear God, it's Syndrome yep. from The Incredibles. Yep, he was the voice of Syndrome. He's done a ton of stuff. He yeah, he's actually, uh, the, the thing he's most passionate about right now is his photography. Huh. He does a lot of experimental photography. There's actually a documentary that was being made last year about his photography. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that. Um there was a character, there was an actor that popped up and I was staring at him and going, who is that? Who is that? And while we were watching the film, I looked it up and I told Max and he didn't see it either. Nope. And it's like, oh, dear gods, it's Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy, who sadly is probably the worst performance in this film. Yeah, it's Michael Rooker. He plays Brandy's father, Mr. Svenning. And uh, yeah, he does a terrible job. Apparently, this must have been pretty early in his career. I guess, because I like him a lot as Yondu. No, he's great as Yondu, but... Uh, yeah, and to me, he was unrecognizable. Not just because, you know, no blue skin. But. Right. Um, I, I don't think I'm going out too far on any kind of limb to say that um, nobody's career was made on this film. Um, I, even Smith's. Smith has this thing, and I haven't seen all of his films. I've seen a number of his films. I've seen Dogma many times because it didn't matter. There was a certain period of time that if you were watching TV, Dogma was on. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like there was one point where Breakfast Club was literally being played back-to-back -to, -back to itself over entire weekends on Comedy Central. Um, okay, that's Breakfast Club, not Dogma. Right. No, both yeah. of them were. Yeah. It used okay. to be at any time. Well, no, Dogma wasn't. It was a marathon, but mm -hmm. it seemed to be like every Saturday or whatever. Dogma was on. It was just on. Dogma all the is time. my favorite Kevin Smith movie. I, I love think that it's movie. arguably his best. I don't know. In I think terms it's of the best. Written, Chasing Amy is really I good. I don't. I saw it once. I don't remember it that. Chasing well. Amy is probably. It's the most grown up. It's. It's got some amazing dialogue and really good performances. Dogma is still my favorite. It's just so much fun. And it, there are so many amazing people in it. Yes. But I think Chasing Amy, to me, is the his most mature film. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, and that, This, however. Yeah, this, this is not. <laughs> this is basically just, it's like kids having fun. I think one of the problems, I think this was, movie was made very quickly. I'm pretty willing to believe that. Yeah. Also, it is so overwritten. Everybody is just glib, 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 and they're just and, and there's that no gay is... people, which I don't understand because those, they're usually the people who are quip, quip, quip all the place. And yeah. oh my god, the two main characters literally never shut up. Yeah, they talk a lot and they they talk often and they talk for long stretches. This is a mark of Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith's movies are very dialogue heavy, but I, he was still getting, he was still finding his feet. Yeah. Also, the characters they tend to be unnaturally eloquent. Yes. And the problem is, only, they also speak very, very fast. Yes. Which is a problem for some of them, like Shannon Doherty. I gave up. I literally <laughs> could not understand what she was she saying. She was talking to fast. It's actually really hard to make out anything she's saying if right. it's more than a sentence long. Yeah. And that's a problem. Now, Jason Lee can pull that off. Ben Affleck can pull that off. Will Smith can pull... Not Will Smith, excuse me. Um, I was thinking Good Will Hunting. Matt Damon. Oh, I can see why you get Will Smith yes, yes. and Matt Damon confused. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, they're both the same height. Yeah. No, 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 they're not. They're, they're mm -hmm. both the same... No, I have no idea why you confuse those two. <laughs> Max is going to hurt me now. Yes, yes, I am. But I may actually wait till after the broadcast so the screams don't disrupt the recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, because um, this, again... Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck were good friends for a long time, and Kevin Smith is the reason Ben Affleck has a career. He launched him. Yeah. And uh, Will, well, you know, well, Matt Damon to a lesser degree. Matt Damon was starting to make his own. I think Goodwill Hunting came out before Dogma. I don't know, but but uh, Matt Damon is in as a minor part in some of his other movies. 
Yeah. Well, and the weird part to me is that I know that, that Damon and Affleck are both Boston boys, mm-hmm. and I don't know how they met Jersey boy Kevin yeah. Smith, but, you know, obviously something worked out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin Smith is very much uh, a Jersey boy and proud of it, and it's in a lot of his movies, including a movie he actually calls Jersey Girl, which I never saw because I'm told it's one of his worst. Ah. Mm. I, oh, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But I must admit, I might put this one up there with it. Um, well, so here's the thing. Yeah. I did see Clerks when it came out. It had a limited, limited engagement. There was a local art house here uh, that showed it. I don't remember why I went to see it, because it was well known to be a very low budget, black and white, shot on 16 millimeter film. For those who don't know, uh, film is a no. <laughs> uh, but it used to be that when you shot film, you shot on a larger size film, 35 at the least. If you were lucky, it was something like Lawrence of Arabia, yeah, you'd 70. shoot it in 70. Mm. So to to show in most movie houses, they had to actually blow the print up from 16 to 30, mm. uh, uh, 35. And when you do that, it makes everything much grainier. So as grainy as 16 is, it gets worse. Mm. So it got a limited run, and I went and saw it. And it's actually a pretty charming little film, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly, if people haven't seen it, uh, it is a film that takes place almost entirely in a convenience store, supposedly during the day. But as we find out later, it's like, oh, that's why the shutters are always down, because it's actually shot at night. Mm-hmm. And it's between mostly the two characters, Dante and Randall, who are two, shall we say... Ne'er to wells with few prospects that happen to run a video store and or a convenience store next to each other and their wild wacky antics. Um, strangely, in that film, my favorite character is Randall, who basically is a sociopath. Yeah, Randall's a real jerk. <laughs> but it in it too is very dialogue heavy. Um, there's a lot of good quipping, and it was definitely one of those films. I'm sure that somebody noticed and said, "Hey, I think this guy has potential." Clerks was one is credited, and people will argue with this as being one of really the the first things that kicked off the indie film movement. You're totally wrong. That's not right. You have nothing. Ah. Oh, oh, and, you I, mean, and you're worse than Hitler. Yeah, Hitler. <laughs> Wait, did you mean me? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, there are people credit it with being the first of the big indie films, if, even if that isn't like a contradiction in terms. But uh, And you can argue it is. It's 1994. That's... I think uh, the the indie movement started a little earlier than that. It might have, but I want to say that Clerks was a film that got a lot of people's attention. Yeah. Because you can do an indie film and have it show in, you know, Le Film Artiste downtown with mm-hmm. all four seats filled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, you know, the, the theater I saw it in was not the biggest one of this theater, but that's what they do is they show art films, foreign films, you know, limited release, and a couple of bigger films to keep them going. Mm-hmm. And Clerks ran there for a couple of, I want to say at least a couple of weeks, three, four weeks. Um, and it was enjoyable. It was not the best film I ever saw. And you could tell it was made for $5. But you're like, hey, you know what? For 5 bucks, they did a pretty decent job. Yeah, given the budget, the time they had to do it, the film is actually a pretty remarkable piece of work. I mean, it's no newsies. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, what is? Yes. Uh, this film, you have less to... It's like you can forgive Clerks because you can tell it's small, like small. Like literally you know that these are all his friends, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're not, I'm surprised because I don't know where else he would get people to do these things. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious somebody said, hey, this guy's got something. Let's give him some money. Not a huge amount of money. 
For sure, because you said, what, six million six bucks? Six million bucks, yeah. And it's obvious. The funniest thing is if you've ever been to the Mall of America, you might think, wow, how did they ever, how do you ever rent out the Mall of America? It's like all they needed to do was rent out one corner. That's yeah. it. They don't There's, do very much inside. And like I say, most of it is filmed at the Eden Prairie Mall. Well, never mind the fact that there is so much Mall of America that you could literally rope off like three stores and the rest of the mall probably never knew they were filming Yeah, anything. very likely. So uh, there's that, but um, to me, I don't think anybody really shines as an actor in this. Mm. Um, I don't think anybody stands out as doing well, and part of that is that it is so overwritten. And by overwritten, I mean you can tell the actors are having to take deep breaths, right, Mm. to get all these lines out. And that's not how people talk. Like, if they're really that fast, they say it and they're done. Um, whether or not there was any pot, I didn't pot, whatever. Um, Jay and Silent Bob are fine, but whenever they're on screen, what they're doing is so cartoony. Yeah. It, it it adds to the, I don't want to say lack of reality. because no, It takes of, you out of the movie a little yeah. bit. Because we're supposed to be caring about the romantic lives of these people. Now, I have trouble... I have mixed feelings. I love Jay and Silent Bob. I think they're so much fun. And it always looks like both of them, especially Jason Muse, is just having such a good time. Yeah. And they throw themselves into the parts. And I like the fact that it's you know, Kevin Smith casts himself as Silent Bob. And each movie, he gives himself like one line. Yeah. In Dogma, I think he has two. He's a little bit more... If I had wanted to be really mean, I would have made you watch Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That good, huh? Oh, boy. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah, that one is... And the the sad part about it is, given the people who are in it and the ideas that are in it, it should have been hilarious. But the thing is, Jay and Silent Bob are very much side characters. Mm. They're almost like props. They're scenery. This, that film, they're the main characters. So putting them in the spotlight just ruins the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it kind of <clears throat> does. And that happens. You know, sometimes people... Uh, well... <sighs> all right, so... One of my favorite sitcoms ever, don't judge me, especially you, is the Mary Tyler Moore Show. <laughs> I judge you. Your socks smell. <laughs> Your mother makes socks that smell. Um, I love that show. And I think it was fourth season. They spun the show off because one of the ancillary characters, Rhoda, uh, hmm. was so popular that they said, hey, she should have her own show. So they spun her off. And to me, that was a mistake hmm. because the best part of Rhoda was the fact that she and Mary were doing stuff together. This show was pretty successful by itself. It though. ran three seasons yeah. and did fine. I don't think it was anybody's favorite show. Mm. You know, uh, it lasted I think long enough to barely be syndicated. Yeah. Then they also they spun off Phyllis. Oh dear! And Cloris Leachman is a great actress. Cloris Leachman is a genius. She is. She's wonderful. But the character was annoying. Yeah. And I never watched a single episode of Phyllis. I never wanted to watch an episode of. Phyllis. I watched a couple, and it didn't work because, partly because Cloris Leachman is so good, and she inhabited that character so well, and the character is not likable. The character, no. well, she, it has. She has likable moments and she has likable aspects but she needed a you know she needed the the niceness of the character mary or the sassiness of rhoda right. to keep her balanced and it just by itself it didn't work i mean for sitcoms they were the kirk spock and mccoy don't you think <laughs> 
I think that's actually damning them with faint praise. <laughs> Which one Spock do you think? Uh, um, uh, that, but no, yeah, Mary Tyler Moore. I, no, I, I, I tease Mike, but that really is. That's one of the greatest sitcoms ever. So, and yes, spinning off the character. But, I mean, once in a while it worked. Lou Grant was a yeah. good show. But they basically said, yeah, we're not doing comedy. Yeah, it wasn't a sitcom. That no. is true. It was a, I don't know what you call it. I guess it, it was a drama, but it was, had funny parts. But Yeah. Um, but so the thing is, is that sometimes... And, oh, and of course, don't forget... You know, Captain Murray on the love boat. That was incredibly successful. That was not a Yes, it was. No. Murray Slaughter, he changed his name to Steubing and became Captain of the Love Boat. That's in my head canon. You will respect it. <laughs> All right, so mm. rewriting TV history, we yep. have Max Levine with... <laughs> Thank you. Yes, on the ship of delusion. Um, the love boat, for those of you who don't know, and God's I hope that's most of you. Oh, really? No, I'm not going to tell you. No. Don't Google it. Don't watch it. Yes. Actually, if you see one, you've literally seen all of them. You could set your watch by that show. Yeah. Anyway, the whole point mm. of this side discussion is <laughs> sometimes you should stay as the sidekick. Yeah. And sometimes you should know that you're doing a great job. We're glad you're here. And you make the show better or the movie better by being off to the side. And Jay and Silent and Bob, apparently, yeah. that's that's true here, too. Unfortunately, it, it's sort of, I consider, the Shyamalan syndrome. Because M. Night Shyamalan always casts himself in his movies. And oh, the right, as Silent Bob. He doesn't <laughs> do nearly as well as Kevin <laughs> Smith. <he> was. <laughs> and in, most, in the movies where he's on screen the least, those are the better ones. Sixth Sense, right. Unbreakable, uh, even... Um, Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Split, but when he, when he makes himself more of a character, like in Signs or God help us, Lady in the Water. Oh, I'm glad you saw that, so I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> then, then it, it, the movie gets worse, and it, it's and in some of the Kevin Smith movies, Jay and Silent Bob play bigger and bigger parts, and usually that's a mistake because yeah. they get over they can get overused very easily. I think they're fun. I think you need to take them in small doses. I don't remember. See, I haven't seen Clarkson in a long time, but if I remember correctly, they mostly were standing outside. Yeah. And they're they doing do funny little things. Yeah. There's none of that cartoon wackiness with, quite honestly, sound effects and sped up footage. And no, stuff. they're. I mean, Jay is kind of menacing in that one because you know they're de they're drug dealers. That's right. who that's who they always are in this. They <laughs> and that's always funny. <laughs> and you know, Jay is very aggressive, and it's. To people, and it's not until you realize he's completely just full of hot air. Okay, but yeah, no, he, he's they're much more toned down or much less present in Clerks. They're there, but they're they're not as much of a thing as they are in a lot of the other ones, including Mallrats, where they're a pretty big plot element. Yeah, I mean they're 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 brought in to do sabotage, mm -hmm. the, and they have plans and blueprints and bat belts and capes, and they swing across a stage in the middle of the day in the mall. And one of the running gags is that Silent Bob is continually trying to do, as they say, the Jedi mind trick, where he's trying to levitate a small object. In this case, it's, it's could just, be a cigarette. It might be a funny cigarette. No, nah, the the character also smokes cigarettes uh, mm. through most of the movie, so it's probably somehow in the mall. <laughs> Yeah, that that was kind of surprising. Um, so yeah, it's like uh, their parts really are disrail or uh, disrail the film. Um, derail, derail. Yeah. That's the word I want. Thank God you're here. <laughs> you know, never travel without an English major. Hello. <laughs> if you'd like an English major, you may tile us at one eight hundred. You can buy us where you work or bank or play. Mm -hmm. um, derail. Yeah, they derail elements of this film, and as Max pointed out. We start the film basically with little sketches as to why our two main characters are horrible people. Yeah. Um, 
so basically the Jason Lee character Brody has no excuse at all. He's just terrible. Mm. And the other character, TS, TS, sort of, he, you can sort of understand him a little more. Yeah, you know, and to be, <laughs> you can. He, he's just he's very obviously so, very insecure. All right, so apparently there this his girlfriend who he was about to leave town to be off in Florida with for a week so he could propose. Her father was putting on a game show at the local mall to somehow make a network deal. Like you do. You know, because how many of you have gone to the mall to go see a, a TV show? A live game show, sure. Ooh. And the woman that was supposed to be the contestant, this is a a, uh, a rehash of the dating game, i.e. you'd have one woman choosing from three men she can't see that are behind mm. a curtain and she asks questions. And apparently T.S., mm. which, haha, there's a cute name. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it stands for. Mm. Uh made a comment about the fact that being on TV, the lenses of the cameras add 10 pounds. Apparently, the woman freaked out because she had a weight yeah. problem and went to the local Y and basically swam herself to death. Yeah, she had an embolism. Right. Which, by the way, she sh that character, or the death of that character, is part of Clerks. Oh, really? I don't yeah. remember. Well, well, I Dante, seen Dante and Randall actually go to her memorial service. Okay. All right. So... He made a comment, and then this woman did something, and it's very sad. Mm -hmm. And the real, you can't blame him for that. What you can blame him for is his reaction, because this, it's not that he caused this person's death, because he didn't. But his reaction to the fact that she did die, and the fact that his girlfriend now has to stay in town to do this show, because it's her father's show, is very infantile and selfish yeah. and that's the bad part he then spends most of the film wanting to get back with his girlfriend he kind of sort of realizes that he was being a douche does he i don't kind think he, that, of, that was the thing that kind of bothers me is he doesn't of, really acknowledge that his reaction was childish yeah probably not but so these are the two characters you're supposed to be rooting yeah. for and sadly the only thing you can say in brody's favor is He's not physically as much of a douche as Ben Affleck is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you didn't know this, Ben Affleck is very, very tall. Um, <laughs> yep, he is a huge man. And we get to see him having, uh, how shall we say, intercourse in the back of a VW, <laughs> uh, which is probably the least interesting sex tape I've ever seen. I don't well, know it's about not you. meant to be particularly yeah. pornographic. I mean, no. again, the whole thing, it's very much like a childish fantasy. It's very much... Like, it's it's a man-child yeah, film, is yeah. what it is. And when the film's over, Brody somehow wins the hardback of his girlfriend. Why we don't know. Honest no. to God, there's there's no real reason. And of course, he also is given his. He takes over as the host of the Tonight Show, which, you know, I understand if you don't have enough money to recreate the Tonight Show set. Mm -hmm. But a shower curtain in your living room—that yeah, looked like a cable access show. <laughs> It's literally like, um, excuse me, Mr. Smith, we've spent $5,999,990 of the budget. Uh, I know we have this scene to shoot, but um, all we could afford was this used shower curtain. Do it, man. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's unsatisfying in the you, you kind of don't want the characters to win mm. part of it. Or you at least want them to change. That's the other thing yeah. about, I mean, when you want... When you watch a movie that's supposed to be a character study, one of the interesting things is watching other characters grow and change. And Brody and T.S. really don't. No. I mean, all, the only thing that really changes for them, and this changes for particularly for Brody, is Brody has not, it doesn't acknowledge to himself how much 
he actually cares about Renee and how much he needs her in his life. And he does come to that conclusion. He does realize that. There is nothing about him, though, that make, makes me you, you go, oh, and I see why Renee wants him in her life, because why? Because yes. that's Doherty, Shannon Doherty. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about Shannon Doherty. I know she was in Beverly, Beverly Hills 90210. Something, something, yeah. um, my guess is that she had a pick of a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Not being the actress, but the, 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 Maybe. But the character. The, Shannon Doherty also has her own little history. She was apparently very difficult to work with. And that's kind of why her career after 902 just went away. Oh, okay. See, I told you the knowledge. Yeah. Um, so the, to me, the only character development for Brody is up until the end of the film, he's got this very thick nine five o'clock shadow. And at the very <laughs> end, he shaves. Ah, that to me is the yeah. entire character development of well, Brody. Well, we're also supposed to believe that Brody realizes his... Uh, his, his love for Renee and that he it's most important that he know her and that he be with her through the wisdom and mentoring of Stan Lee. <laughs> what was actually paid to give him. Now that actually I liked. Yeah. I liked the part. So so T.S., knowing that his friend, and, oh no, it's his brother. No, no it's no, his friend. It's his friend. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. It's a different last name. Yeah. Well, at one point he shows up, he says, uh, never mind. Anyway. Uh well, so what a plot twist that's just there for, I, I can't help but saying this, tits and giggles. They go to oh, see a, a a topless uh, fortune teller at, yeah. at the, the lousy flea market mall. At the dirt mall, yeah. Who basically says that the only way they're going to get their women back is if they work together. Mm. And the only way he that T.S. can get Brody on board is to make him realize that he still needs to be with his girlfriend. So because he's at a, a, a signing at the local comic store, he hires somehow yeah. Stan Lee to happen to run into Brody and talk about the lost love of Stan Lee's life and yeah. how comic books are just metaphors for the woman that got away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, is actually one of the best parts of the movie. It actually is. Just, I mean, Stanley is no actor, as we yes, said. But, but you know what? In he, this film, he doesn't even stand out that he's much. He's surprisingly charming, I thought. He was very... Because whatever else you say about Stanley, he's very charismatic. And I'll be nice and I won't say anything else about Stanley. Yeah, right yeah. That's, even the yeah, fact that yeah, but, 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 he likes Stripperella. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, I really wouldn't look that up either, but if you if you want to, if you ever go, boy, did Stanley ever do anything that didn't work? Look up Stripperella, look up the governor. There's a there's, there's What a about lot. the uh, so you want to be a superhero? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched both seasons of that. <laughs> That's where they somehow convinced people oh, to come on a show and yeah, it was a make their show. own super make themselves into their own superheroes. Right, and they actually had to do like sort of goofy fake ass missions. Yeah, and, in their costumes. Yep, and Stanley <laughs> would show up by video and talk to them. It <laughs> oh, was true believers. Unbelievable. I think it's all on YouTube. You can see it yeah. if, if, if Don't pay for it. No, God, no. (laughs) Yes, if you ever really just feel, you know what? There's too much good in my life. Go ahead and watch some of that. Anyway. So, yeah, so there's that. But, yeah, the women in the film, quite honestly, deserve better. I will also go, not again, out that far on a limb and say, there's kind of the only chemistry between Brody and his girlfriend. I keep forgetting her name. No, Brandy. Brody's girlfriend. Oh, Brody's girlfriend is Renee. Renee. Excuse me. So the only real chemistry between Brody and Renee is they actually argue very well together. Yeah, they they actually have a good back and forth verbally. Yeah, she I gives think. as good as she gets, and yeah. so well. To Brandy be fair, he doesn't give well. Don't really. 
I mean, physically, I think they had chemistry because they're both, let's face it, they're both pretty stunning. And I felt bad because she's, she looked like if you sneeze too hard, she'd fall over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's clear Forlani was a whisper thin lass. Yeah. But, and this has happened before, and I, I'm not going to read anything into it, mm-hmm. but the best chemistry in the film, and I think you'll back me up on this, is between T.S. and Brody. Actually, yeah. <laughs> their connection is much more believable. You, well, you believe they're friends, and there's a, a lot of physicality between the two of them. Well, especially when Brody is describing physically with T.S., not to T.S., but mm-hmm. with T.S., what spooning means. Yes. And how hard it can be sometimes to find that place to put your other arm. <laughs> and T.S. looks a little confused... But he doesn't look like, hey, dude, don't touch me. I don't know. There's a certain degree of that. There's also the idea that they might be so comfortable together that oh. they don't get the that the homophobic stuff doesn't kick in. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying there's any subtext. I'm just saying that mm. this just shows that they have more chemistry yeah. than any of them. Their, their relationship is probably the most believable. Well, next to Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> yeah, yes, Jay and Silent Bob, which, again, Jason Mewes... And uh, Kevin Smith actually work really well together. They are adorable as Jay and Silent Bob. And, they're, and it's so odd because they're supposed to be characters who really you shouldn't approve of. You know, no, they're, they're horrible, horrible people. They're, they're awful. Ugly, ugly people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they cause trouble. They break things. They harass the kittens in uh, the pet store window. They may or may not sell drugs. They, they absolutely sell drugs. Okay. We know this. Well, I know they from, offer From the them. other movies, yeah. we know this. They're drug dealers. But they're they're also very much like men children. They're very there's a kind of innocence about them, despite all Jay, the <laughs> all the horrible things they oh, do. Oh yeah, they say terrible things. Jay, especially especially in the other movies, his language is unbelievably filthy. Yeah. And he, he's not as bad as Randall. Randall's just yeah. mean yeah. but funny. Mm. Anyway. Uh they kinda have some subtext. Well, Jay they they notice this and Jay often begins introducing Silent Bob is this is my hetero life mate Silent Bob. <laughs> so and you know again I'm not saying that definitely not saying there's any subtext between them. It's just that I could more easily see Brody and TS going off for a quick one than I could <laughs> uh, even when we get to see one of them in an elevator I'm like uh no. <laughs> yeah, they're they're their friendship is more believable than the romantic relationships. And I have to wonder, we actually at some point should address that, but when it comes to casting movies, this mm. is when you realize how important a job casting can be mm. and how films would be entirely different if you had totally different actors. Well, now, we were talking about who the, some of the people they wanted for the parts. Right, and like if you had... I, I mean, I'm trying to picture Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon <laughs> as these two characters and like, would that even work? Mm. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not sure it would. I mean, or picture. I mean, Adam Sandler and Chris Farley have worked could work together, but the characters would be entirely different. Now you know who could pull this off yeah. if they recast them. If they had Brody and T.S. as Affleck and Damon, mm. that would have worked fine. Yeah, because those two I would believe as being really close. For, oh, because they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes back, you know. There was actually I found this this story out to be false, but it was actually a planted story that people have believed for a long time, mm-hmm. and that was that the original people chosen to star or hoping to star in Casablanca were Ronald Reagan and Ann Sheridan. Mm-hmm. Now it turns out that the studios released this information hoping to draw attention to the film when they had always expected oh. to get Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart. Oh, okay, that's actually comforting. I yeah. remember thinking. That would have been horrible. But imagine that film 
with anybody else. It's I, for me, it's physically impossible. No. I can't do it. Well, except of course Pamela Anderson and Barbed Wire, which is really the classic <laughs> remake of Casablanca that really surpasses the. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't get. I couldn't even get that joke out. Ow, ow! I think I pulled something. I, I would like to buy a vowel. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and this is one of those cases that they. I I don't think that it's the fault of the actresses in this, mm-hmm. I think that it's the fault of casting that there's just, you can't figure out why these people are together. Mm-hmm. Especially initially, I will say that Renee seems a little lacking in confidence and self-confidence. And you're like, okay, maybe that's why she stayed with Brody because she felt that she couldn't do better. Uh, spoiler, you can. Mm-hmm. Lots. Yeah, well, But then, yeah. th- that day, she basically hooks Ben Affleck, which is quite honestly, um, until he does what he's planning mm-hmm. to do, about ten steps up. And it's like an hour later. Mm-hmm. So it's like, self-confidence is not the issue there. So I can't see any reason for her to have been with Brody anyway. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, more, I think one of the more interesting female characters is Gwen, played by Joey Lauren Adams. She blows in like a hurricane and then blows right yeah, out again. She comes in and she's so, she's actually really interesting. It's like, no, no, come back. Oh yeah. God, really? Yeah. And she's she was used to date T.S. I think in high school, and she cheated on him a lot. But she's so breezy about it. It's like, yeah, that's what I do. And she all, but she also, I think, possibly mistakenly knows points out the value of him saying you know he's one of the good ones and explaining <laughs> yeah it, it's uh, she's even she can't quite convince me of that joey lauren adams by the way who dated uh, kevin smith for a while ah if i could add just to one more um ah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my catchphrase you know and uh oddly joey lauren adams is just another little trivia thing is not the, renee zellweger as we, yeah she does actually look a lot like her uh she Jeremy London has an identical twin brother, Jason London, who was in the movie Dazed and Confused. Oh. Yes. Who was he in that? Maybe I, that's why. Oh, I well, know who he is. He's pink. Yes. That's why. It's like, he looks so familiar. And I was like, what were you in? What were you in? And I looked him up. and he had... Also in that movie are Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams. <laughs> yep. Oh, there you go. Yep. So that would do it. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, uh, Lucas is in that film. Uh, 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 oh, yes. Uh, Lucas from Empire Records. Uh, see episode whatever. Yeah. Um, of course, he's wearing a very, very large wig. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so is Mila Jovovich, the supermodel, is in that movie. She's his girlfriend. Oh, she really? She never speaks. Ah. Yeah. She Who just... played the Moon Tower? Uh, that was Irving the Moon Tower. Ah, Irving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it great. Was, I mean, you know, kind of typecasting. And <laughs> I kind of felt bad because that's all Irv really is known for. And that's all Irv ever gets cast as. It's just... You know, we're pulling for you, Irv. Yeah. Someday. Irv, you, you've got more range. You know what I bet we'll see him in? What? Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story. Oy. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and also, looking things up recently, I see that they may or may not be trying to remake American Werewolf in London. But that's a story for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... I don't know. How, are we Are we ready to... I think, I think verdict, we're ready for verticize? The, yep. I think is we're ready for the wrap-up. Is that a word? The Roundup. So, Max, yeah, you vote for this. You think people should watch this because cheese? Uh, like I say, it's a guilty pleasure. It's something you really never have to engage your brain in it. The dialogue, as I say, as we both pointed out, is oversped and overwritten, but is still fun. Jay and Silent Bob are fun. 
it it's a nice goofy movie that's pleasant and that you never really are worried about anybody in it. That's true. <laughs> Actually, like whenever I see films and there's somebody driving and they turn to talk yeah. to the passenger, I hate that because I'm waiting for the accident. Yeah. You don't even have that. Yeah, you you, know, you see things being set up to be, oh, the, oh something bad is going to happen. And you're like, yeah, I don't think it really is. I don't think it's going to be that bad, whatever it is. Like when, when Silent Bob is hanging from that rope and it's, the strands are coming apart. Yeah, you all know, you're waiting for is da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, you, you no more worry about him than you worry about Daffy Duck having a safe land on him. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do that. Or we never heard yakety sax. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I I do enjoy it. I I do not pretend it's a great movie. I don't even pretend it's a particularly good movie. But also, if you're a fan of Kevin Smith, it's really interesting to see because you can see all the stuff that developed in, in his later movies. And I can totally see why people like Kevin Smith, and I can totally see why people hate Kevin Smith. <laughs> I don't think he's one of those people that tends to be a lot of gray area. Mm. I think it's like, eh. That being said, I I didn't enjoy it as much as Max. Mm. Um, I agree that there's some of the dialogue is fun and funny. I think he needs an editor. Mm. Um, it need, it's, it's one of those things where you can tell this is somebody is writing and doesn't know what his dialogue sounds like to say. Hmm. And Yeah, and I do this to myself all the time when I often used to write for the movie wrench and stuff, and I'd sit there and write the script, and I'd write the script, and then I'd go to perform, and it's like, what is wrong with me? Nobody can say these ridiculous sentences. <laughs> um, and to be fair, if you sit there and listen to the words, the two main characters, T.S. and Brody, you could swap their dialogue at any point and never know the difference. I don't, I, I don't think that's true. I think Brody is way I, more comic book oriented. A lot of his stuff is much more geek oriented. And I think but, his vocabulary reflects that. I find their quips to be almost exactly the same. Mm. Uh, I will agree that Brody did tend to lean more on comic books. Actually, too much so. Like, mm. I kind of didn't believe it. Partially oh. because we, he's not even wearing a comic book t-shirt. And they only go to the comic book store mm. for one minute. Mm. So, it's like, I don't know. I. It's breathless. Um... There's cartoon elements that really take you out of the narrative such as it is. Such as it is. There are some laughs. It is kind of fun. The two main characters are are really despicable. I wouldn't say despicable. They're not likable. You know that Brody is going to mistreat her Mm. for the rest of their relationship, however long it lasts. I don't care about The Tonight Show, and I don't Mm. believe that either. Um, You maybe have some hope that T.S. gets a little better but that's about the best you can hope for. We don't see enough of the women to really know much about them. Yeah. Um, except that, what's her name? Uh, Renee yeah. can quip just as well as can Brody. Um, the other girlfriend. Randy. Randy, uh, who's a fine girl. You know, what a good wife she would make. Yeah, but it's a shame because, you know, my life, my love, and my lady is the sea. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> um, it's also one of those films where you can look and say, ah, made by a white guy. Yeah. Um, straight white. That's, are, there's some people of color in the audience of the game show. And one of the stagehands. Yes. Uh, but to be fair, it's Minneapolis. Yes, that is true. Now, that is actually fairly realistic for Minneapolis. H- how white is Minneapolis? Oh, boy. <laughs> Minnesota, you understand, is 90%. Now, actually, this may have, the demographic has probably changed. But when I was there, it was literally 90% white and the all entire ten percent that was not lived in the Twin Cities. So now you were you were living in Minneapolis when this was being made. Yeah. Okay. So it's very indicative of of 
your time there. Uh, yeah, very much. Uh, he had a girlfriend. He had to win her back at a game show. The whole thing. Oh, just, yeah. That's was, why he likes it. It was this. my story. You know? yeah, it really was. <laughs> it's uneven. If you like Kevin Smith, I'm going to say you probably will like Mallrats. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't think it's his best effort. Of the mm-hmm. films that I remember having seen, I think Dogma, which I, I've seen too many times. Most people have seen too many times. I think is v- much better written, much better acted. also has a lot more production value to it. Mm-hmm. It's cleverer. Mm-hmm. Um, but... If you've got nothing to do and you've seen all your own movies a lot of times and it shows up on something or it's in Netflix, yeah, go ahead. And with that ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, first, I'd like to yes. point out. Yeah, now the, I have a question for you. Well, well, before oh, we get to your question, this? if I may, you know, mm-hmm. if you disagree with either of us, yeah. there's something you can do about you it. And can. If, you can. If you listen to us last week, you know mm-hmm. you could end up on our show in you one could. way or another. Yes, because after all, you know, we can always check us out at our website, maxmikemovies.com. Where all our back issues are available. Yep. And they're and sealed twice. And they're they're bagged and boarded. Ooh. Yep. You can also find us on the Twitter at plortmaxmikemovies.com. Yep. And we have a Facebook page also called imaginatively maxmikemovies.com. No, no, no. What not, a twist. Not .com. Just maxmikemovies on Facebook. It should be .com. <laughs> Everything should be .com. Do you, don't you agree, mike.com? Actually, we should have got maxmikemovies.edu. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're teaching you about movies. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, you could, in fact, email us. You we're... can at, at us, literally us, at Mike, maxmikemovies.com. And people have done so and appeared, mm-hmm. or else their words have appeared yes. on the show. We have yet to have a guest, but yes. that's okay. Could happen. Now, you had a question. I did. So, there I have bared my embarrassing soul this week. And, as well you should be. As well I should be. Uh, <laughs> to, to bring up my guilty pleasure, what's our next one? Mike, don't say bring up. <laughs> so that's our next one. We, we tested the limits of guilty pleasures. Yeah, because I made him watch a a, a, a Roman Polanski film, mm-hmm. and was like, I feel guilty and dirty after watching <laughs> this because it's Roman Polanski. Uh, we've watched films that are, shall we say, less than stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, we have watched films that, while otherwise good, may have actors in them that make us feel squidgy for walking before, mm-hmm. um, and. This time I'm I'm gonna kinda kinda stick with the general definition of guilty pleasure. It's a film that is not really good. Um it is enjoyable, it's got a certain place in my heart. Now I had to go through a bunch of different films. <laughs> I almost made you watch again yeah. uh Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> Which is not a bad movie. No it doesn't really have a lot to appeal to me in it. <laughs> However, um, there are certain elements, certain artistic, <laughs> I don't know, that I find interesting. It yeah, also has yeah. a good story. Uh, the acting is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Reasonable. Uh, that's why... The dancing I, is good. That's why I watched the film, because the acting. Oh, sure. <laughs> and um, I, you watched the movie for the articles. Yeah. Um, I thought of one of uh, Max and my favorite films, uh, which is also... It is a guilty pleasure, and I still think it's fun, which oh, is yeah. Weird Al Yankovic's UHF. Not a great movie, not even no. a terribly good one, but so much fun, and just so... It's just charming it warms the heart yeah i also looked on some lists to try to get some ideas and saw some certain guilty films pop up numbers of times that i do like like starship troopers not a good yeah. film but i still enjoy it for no particularly good reason yeah. um bill and ted no which to be fair is not a great movie but is a is a lot of fun a lot of fun and a lot of people like it i don't even know how guilty that would be but okay you've yeah. been building it up this better be amazing what is this incredibly fantastic fantastically bad guilty pleasure movie that you want us to, to do next time well it's not that 
bad. Uh huh. Okay, so I'm actually moving us out of the 80s because we tend to go to the 80s a lot. I know that Mallrats was the 90s. No, we do. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to take us back to the 70s. Oh, dear. All right. So there was this film that came out. Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, God, no. Oh, that, that showed up in a lot of those lists, too. Yeah. Um, not even Smokey and the Bandit have a baby. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. That no, was the sequel. that's a real one. That's a real uh, one. Sally Field, really? Really? Mm. We used to like you. Um, I'm going to go back. I think it's 1978. Okay. And it didn't get a lot of run. There was a lot of... I don't think controversy is... I think it's too strong a word for it. But I'm going to go for... Well, maybe not their first, certainly their first known film, the brothers Abram, Abram, Zucker. I'm going to Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh. Which, okay. if you have not seen this film, is, um, let's say that the production values in Mallrats are a shimmering, shining star in the cinema firmament compared to the production so values. the interesting thing, I love this movie. It is a, but. It is so damn funny. I don't think either of us will admit that it's a good movie. No, there are there are places it really drags, yes. and there are parts of it that don't work, but when it works, well, we'll talk about it next yes, week. Yes, next week we okay. will be going over Kentucky Fried Movie. Yes, indeed. So will you not get a bucket of chicken? <laughs> it's finger licking good. Oh, yeah. Is that wait? Is that copyright infringement or product placement? I think it's product placement. It's such a gray zone. It really is. Um, yes, it might. And yeah, so like like Kentucky Fried Chicken, we have an herb and a spice. So <laughs> and everything nice. And everyone, yes. In fact, you can call me Spice, and you can call him Herb. So like a bucket of chicken, we'll be back next <laughs> yes. week with Max Mike movies. Talk to you then. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. His girlfriend... Oh, dear gods. <laughs> Sorry, that's my phone. No, 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 don't turn that okay. off. <laughs> I'll just edit it out. <laughs> ah, live radio. Uh, anyway, so...